0: Good afternoon, universe, and welcome to Cross Defense, your weekly dose of knowing why you believe what you believe, so that you will be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks about that hope that you have in the totality of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus is coming again to do. I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, and together we are on a journey through the landmark Christian dogmatics of Dr. Francis Pieper, a monumental series of books devoted to the belief that when God speaks, he does so in order that we might speak his word back to him. That sound doctrine isn't just a set of right answers to be kept on a shelf, but the effect that happens when Scripture alone, grace alone, and faith alone point us ever to Christ alone as the answer to the ever-present darkness that we face in this veil of tears. St. Paul exhorts all Christians to hunger for this truth, to watch your life and doctrine closely, to persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. For the time is coming, he warns, when people will not put up with sound doctrine but instead will turn aside to suit their own desires, gathering around them a great number of teachers to teach what their itching ears want to hear. You, however, Christian, must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, and so encourage others. I have some guests with me again, as usual, in studio, guys that I hope to have regularly around, and uh, both coming from a similar background and yet incredibly different. Uh, the first is Pastor Micah Glenn. He is a recent graduate of Concordia... Seminary, St. Louis. St. Louis. Uh, ex- he is now Executive Director of the Lutheran Hope Center in Ferguson, Missouri, which effectively means he's a domestic missionary with LCMS National Mission, and you're in you're in Ferguson, Putting a new facility there. Talk about that just for a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. So I have a a call to a local congregation as well, uh, for good order, of course. Right. Uh, But there is a a building being built uh, by the Urban League of St. Louis in which all have an office. And so the point of me being there is just so I can walk with, talk with, understand uh, the people of Ferguson who I, I grew up with. It's your uh, hometown. That's right, yeah. Uh, my family moved back to, to St. Louis in 95 when my dad retired from the military. Uh, my grandma always lived in Ferguson my entire life. And so especially that corridor where all the rioting took place, that's, mm. that's my neck of the woods. Right, And so right. That's, that's literally my backyard. And so um, helping them recover from that devastation is kind of the idea. Right. And so being with them and, most importantly, bringing the community Jesus. Right. Because uh, if you go in there and you, and you walk and you talk with people, there are churches there. But uh, the majority of people are still living under the, the veil of darkness because they don't know who Christ right, is.
0: Right. And if it's anything like Philly, which we'll talk about that in just a minute, a lot of what you see in those churches are mainly holiness bodies. Small mom and pop Pentecostal groups that are preaching, get your life together. God will bless you. That's right. right.
1: Well, there's, well, they, they pop in. They preach a prosperity gospel. They rob these poor people blind and then right. they pop out before right. people catch on to that. And we have a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, I just had a, a very fun experience with them on Thursday actually. Uh and so I,
0: I'm not sure there's such a thing. Oh my
1: goodness. <laughs> <laughs> talking to a wall. It, oh, it's it's unbearable sometimes. Uh but but nonetheless, so uh what I'm I'm calling the Hope Center now is kind of just a mercy center. Sure. And so there's no direct intention of a church plant at the moment. Uh this the reality is that i'm just there i'm with the people and i'm going to hopefully be developing programs that they say that they need okay uh yeah and also recognizing that um sometimes they think they need things that they, they don't, don't need
0: right yeah. right right and i i would i would imagine too that if god decides to put a church there then god's going to put a church there and you'll you'll cross that bridge when that happens that's right? right
1: yeah it's not really up to us right in this kind of circumstance i think to say a church will or won't be planted right um but like you said, if a church is planted, it's planted. If it's not planted, then, right. then we'll just stay a mercy center. And I think that's perfectly fine because we'll still be preaching the gospel from yeah. where we are. We,
0: we could talk about that uh, kind of ad nauseum. And I'll have to have you on to his time in the morning sometime just to, to focus more a little bit on Ferguson. I'm really curious about it. But we also got uh, from another city uh adam de groot domestic missionary pastor for the lcms and working with philadelphia lutheran ministries a group near and dear to my own heart because i was out there for a while uh welcome to the show adam and tell tell the people a little bit about uh shepherd of the city
2: yeah absolutely uh first uh first off it's good to be here with you today um and um yeah we've been in philadelphia for about two and a half years now um and followed the very great teaching of Pastor Josh Gale, who's now a foreign missionary in Peru, um, and we followed um, your faithful service there in Philadelphia um, a couple uh, a couple years ago. But we're um, actually at a church uh, that is considered to be a mission church, unconstituted at this point in time, uh, with a very meager congregation of about 14 people, um, and uh, have regular divine services uh, every Sunday at 11 o'clock, um, three Bible studies a week, um, and morning prayer offices um, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. So uh, it's a little bit different context, um, in the sense, uh, from what from what Mike is doing. Um, I kind of fell into a church that was already planted, uh, so we were able to sort of take that and run with it.
0: But, of course, you know, really doing like the—almost uh, a the small-town parish in the middle of uh, chaos. People think Philadelphia, they maybe just think kind of like West Philadelphia, but, but where you're at is— uh, a world stage, right? are just uh, all sorts of people groups there, massive uh, diversity.
2: That's true. Um, in our neighborhood, uh, statistically, and Micah knows this, we were at a conference in, in Grand Rapids or in, in Michigan, um, and uh, 33% of the people in that neighborhood have not were not born in the United States. There's over 38 different languages spoken there, uh, which then, you know, speaking to sort of the church bodies or the religious bodies that are there, we do have certainly the holiness bodies is theirs, uh in and, and the same way in, as they are in St. Louis, but we're also getting a lot of, of, of other religions from different parts of the world. Muslim, uh, the the Islamic religion is is very prominent in Northeast Philadelphia, so diversity is 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 uh, is I think an understatement in a lot of ways.
0: Well, so of course, since since you're both in such diverse contexts with such strange things going on, that means that the what we do as church has got to change, right? We got to we got to take take the gospel as it is, but we got to you know meld it and mold it and give a different spin to it, right? Please I think say, you're please say no. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: no, I think I mean, I, and I've seen it. You know, we had a, a lady that came in from. Um, she's she's been in the United States for a number of years uh, from Korea and didn't speak uh, a word of English. And we were we were really perplexed at first because we thought we had to you know a, a address specific issues through English as a second language class. But we, we we realized our limitations that we couldn't possibly learn 38 different languages. Right. So we so we sort of. Um, step back into the model that, you know, that, that Pieper is, is directing us to with regard to, you know, doctrine in the Scriptures, and had our, our, our Bible studies serve as, as English as a second language class, and this lady who knew no English uh, is now very fluent uh, and conversant in the English language just simply because she's come to Bible studies on a regular basis.
0: That's like the old school way of teaching English, you just open the Bible and read it and people learn English. That, that goes back to even, like, 1700s United States. Uh, same kind of idea, right? Well, you mentioned Dr. Pieper, yep. and so let's let's dig into him again. This is basically the last section, uh, pages six and seven of his opening foray, his salvo, uh, demonstrating, claiming, asserting that Holy Scripture is the sole, meaning only, source, rule, norm meaning standard for what christianity is and kind of what we've covered so far uh, in the weeks before you guys are getting here is how uh, how much the rest of the world even even most of christianity a 100 years ago when Pieper's writing don't really agree with this how what he's saying is sort of a foreign idea and and this in, continues to be uh, the delusion that we see here i mean do you guys do you guys see this we well, mentioned the holding his bodies where you have christians on the street, who, who they say they're Christian, they believe in Jesus, we think, but then if you take them to the Bible, the Bible just doesn't have authority for them.
1: You experience that? Oh, every single day. I mean, back to the Jehovah's Witness, I wouldn't call them Christian, uh, but but a lot of times you'll, you'll stop and you'll say, um, you know, this is, this is what scripture is talking about, our particular situation that we're discussing right now. Let's open the Bible. Let's see what Jesus has to say about what we're dealing with, whether it be, I mean, drug abuse i mean we'll just call that drunkard right but right the, right the same idea behind addiction is the same uh but they say they'll they'll say things well you know that's that's kind of an outdated thing that's a that's a modded thing and and it doesn't really apply to today anymore and that's that's kind of what we struggle with a lot and as as well uh you know people take the parts of scripture that they like and they apply right. that rather than the whole right right adam
2: yeah no i agree with uh, with what mike is saying and you see it you know uh, from a from a different perspective you know, as you're as you're interacting with other individuals that would, you know, be spiritual but not religious, um, uh, or m- more especially, we I'm interacting with a young with a lady now who's a, um, a Muslim, um, and with the with the comments commonly being uh, God is one God, um, but as you dig deeper, not only into your own scriptures, but into the into the, the sacred scriptures of other religions, um, you realize. That there's a very clear difference between what it is that's, that 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 they believe and teach and confess, and what we believe, teach and confess. And I think it's a difficult thing in our day and age um, to to speak very definitively about that. I think Peter, you know, jumps right into this. He actually calls it evil. Right. Um, and, and and that's a, that's a that's a word that is. There's so many words that just don't seem to be used very often anymore. Um, And so he's very bold to to call it an evil, and I think as as Christians, we have to be able to use that same language and say that this is an evil understanding and an an evil doctrine, and then to be able to articulate why it is evil. And that, of course, means that we should know the Scriptures.
0: I love his approach. Kind of, If I could sum it all up, he sort of says, look, no one's going to like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Bible's true. I don't expect you to accept it yourself necessarily if you don't want to. But that's what we're going to say because that's what Christianity is, and then every other conversation we're going to have about Christianity is going to flow from that. So you want to you want to try to convince me that I'm wrong? You've got to do it with Scripture on your side. You can't just say uh, it doesn't make any sense. You can't just say I don't like it. Right? You got to actually come at me with Scripture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think to to more to that point is that the Word of God in and of itself is offensive right it's offensive to the sinner uh it, i mean it whether you admit it or not you know even as a pastor there are moments where i read god's word and there's an immediate rebuke to something going on in my life at that particular moment i'm like man i wish it didn't say that right. but nonetheless it does and so now this law that is this work in my life i have to find a way through Scripture to curb my life back to the way that God would have me live, and it's just that reality that especially in america i you can go to other uh contexts around the world and you'll you'll find the same thing uh but we don't like to be told mm. what we're supposed to do, even right. as a christian i don't I don't necessarily like to to be told this is the way you're supposed to live. you know I come from a, a specific context in my own life as well, even within Christianity, and sometimes uh, the Word of God doesn't fit my ethnical Mm -hmm. Uh, context and the context i grew up in and then what do i do right do i do i bend scripture to be what i need it to be for that context or do i just submit to it And, and that authority is something that people really have a i think struggle with the most
0: it's a question that whenever you come to a passage of scripture that you don't understand or you don't like or maybe you just don't believe it's do i change scripture to fit me or do i change me To fit scripture, and I'm not talking about you know uh, whether I'm saving myself by this or by my own reason or strength or anything like that. It's 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 the open intellectual question of who gets to have the final say. Um, What we're going to kind of move into now is Peter is talking about the experience of Christianity once you start rejecting this, and I think this is just such an important reality. Uh, He says another evil, and I'm kind of summarizing here, byproduct that we experience because we subject scripture to ourselves is doctrinal chaos and discord. So once you stop having this norm for what Christianity is, this, this set of boundaries, the only result we can finally get when everyone throws their opinion into the, into the water uh, is, is chaos, right, Adam?
2: No, that's true. And I think, you know, going back to what Michael was talking about too, is that, you know, what are saying with regard to our reaction to the law and scripture? He's absolutely right on. And yet, You know, as we see our our Lord addressing, you know, the disciples, the Pharisees, as he goes through the gospel, there's a whole other aspect of that as well that becomes, he calls it a stumbling block, and that's the actual gospel. And I think you're seeing it so often, you know, we see it so often in Philadelphia that, um, you know, individuals would say that they live by the gospel. But what they really mean is they live by by what they understand with regard to the gospel and the Jesus that they say they believe in is, is sort of a pocket-sized Jesus that really fits into the palm of their hands, whereas, you know, Jesus makes it very express in what he says, but not only that, but what he does for us in his death on the cross that, you know, one of the things we really struggle with at Shepherd of the City is is when we get to Holy Week, um, my the people that the Lord has given me there are, 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 are very down in the dumps because what the gospel means is that uh, Christ has to die,
1: hmm.
2: um, and Christ has to shoulder the the, the weight of sin, in order, and, and not only that, but become sin and become a loser. And I think that's one of the things that's a, that's really the conundrum is that when you call the Lord the greatest loser, hmm. um, you 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 sort of scramble people's brains in the sense that. We like to see Jesus as triumphant and, and, and able to uh, accommodate or, or to accomplish anything, and he does, but but death and and his his descent into hell and the things we confess in the creed, suffering precedes glory, and that's one of the things that I think is so difficult that could be that other evil that, that the people is talking about, too, is that, you know, we can make the gospel say what we want it to say as well.
1: I think a, another issue when we're talking about things like doctrine, right, is that people hear that word and they try to contextualize it to the, simply meaning what the church speaks and how we speak it. Yeah. But yeah. if you if you read St. Paul, if you read Jesus, if, I mean, if you read the, the scriptures, right, especially if you read Peter in this moment, the doctrine isn't simply how we talk in the church. It's mm-hmm. not simply a, a formula for prayer, a, a, a mode for how you preach the word of God to his, his sheep, but it's a way of life. Hmm. Doctrine is is what we do as Christians. So everything in our lives should express the doctrine of the church. It's who who we are. It really is. Right, right. And the word, I think you're right on
0: that people kind of assume the word doctrine means something like tradition. Right. Like it's this man-made thing uh, as opposed to when, when Paul uses this regularly in first Timothy, uh, you do watch your life and doctrine closely. Uh, I think the word that would be helpful, and this is kind of, uh, we talk about context. We've got to be careful. Postmodernism can be a threat, but, we we Americans speak American language, and, and the word doctrine is not as thrown around as a word like truth. And that's exactly, if you look at the Greek, what doctrine is ultimately about is that there is a truth that never changes. There is something that stays firm, and you want to watch that closely because if you lose that, you lose the foundation. So that, again, as Paul says, uh, Paul Pieper says, there can be no unity of faith in a church body basis it's teaching on the subjective opinions of christians i'm really fascinated micah by by uh, your past and there's no i don't think it's a secret that the missouri senate has not been the most ethnically diverse uh, church body in the history of the world um and uh, i don't think it's necessary for lack of trying we have some real history of attempting to reach into uh the the old south uh reaching into native american populations when we were first here but uh, for whatever reason we stayed very very german you mentioned your your upbringing though where you had a group uh, a church uh, a congregation i don't know what what you're referring to where uh, what was taught wasn't always with was scripture and i think some people think like if we're ever going to get together and make all the churches work together doctrines the enemy right but, but what people are saying here is it's the opposite if we're going to find unity with these other groups it's going to be because we find in the scriptures a, a solid platform with each other
1: that's right so you know in my life you know I, i'm a lutheran pastor so i spend a majority of my time with lutherans uh, but like you said, the LCMS isn't the most diverse church in America or the world. Uh, and so I grew up in a majority black community. Mm-hmm. So when I was in school, especially when I was in public school, most of my friends were black. Right. Uh, and so I go to all white church. My friends go to all black church, but we still hang out. And every once in a while, especially now as adults and I'm a pastor, when they get on to some kind of preachy thing, I have to insert myself. Yeah, right. Uh, things of, of doctrine come up. And so, we we I always say, well, let's let's read the Bible, let's see what the Bible has to say. I know your your pastor, at your church said this, but let's uh, let's again see what the Word of God says and take it back to that, uh, because the reality is is that no matter where you are in life, whether you're a Lutheran or a Pentecostal or a Baptist or you're non-religious, life doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right. The the reality is that every one of us, Christian, Muslim, or whatever, we all still live in one creation, and so we're going to rub shoulders with people like that, and that's where doctrine, a way of living. Um, and, and not one that I've come up with myself, right. but one that's been given to me, right. uh, a very gracious one, uh, comes into play. And so that in those moments, I don't have to think on my own. I don't have to say this is relative to me and this is kind of what's true in my immediate time and, and what I'm experiencing right now. This is true. And, and what's true by nature has to stand true for all time. Right. Just right. because the definition of truth. Agreed?
2: No, I'm I'm with that on on that as uh, as well. But I, you know, looking at it, and, and I think you know, as Peter quotes, um, you know, the uncounted divergences of the in the application of the principle, that's of the gospel. These divergences being due to the difference in the individual. Um, you know, our Lord has has expressly said, you know, we're we're all individual, fearfully and wonderfully made. We're all individual, and I think, you know, the fact that we have differences in our upbringing, uh, uh, d- that holds no sway over. Um, the efficacy or it's just short to say that the power and the truth of the scriptures and I think as Micah was saying you know to be able to know that in spite of our differences there is a, a guiding principle um, that it isn't just you know a law to live by or to curb us or to or, or to hold in front of us and it's 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 not just the the gospel which sets us free and and, and it's it's the you know how we it explains who we are and what our true identity is, and I see that in Philadelphia where there's, you know, there's so many diverging cultures um, in our congregation. We have Koreans and Vietnamese and Haitians and, and Jamaicans and, and uh, Pakistanis, and, and these are people that um, have differences that are not just differences of opinion, but are historical differences that have led to, to genocide in many of their con- their home countries, and they carry these differences with them into the church. And so it, it necessitates that I have to have a conversation with them that um, their differences um, are obviously as a result of, of where they've come from, there's no doubt of that, but the, the, what Christ has done for us in his death on the cross and his blood shed for us um, holds sway for us regardless of, of, of what our, our, our past histories have been.
0: The Ten Commandments are still true for them. The history of who Jesus is, what he did. What he's coming again to do is still true for them. The Holy Spirit's work in the church to forgive sins, uh, to gather the elect of God by power of the word unto that resurrection that's coming, it's still true for them. And the prayer our Lord teaches all of us to pray uh, which is lamely for those same things, that word, his coming, forgiveness, and a little daily bread it's still true for them. And so this doctrine, this, this scriptural foundation, which I just kind of summarized in the catechism, that's all the catechism really is, is a summary of the Bible. Uh, this is something that uh, cuts like a knife through our diversities. There's nothing wrong with diversity, but you can't build right. unity on diversity,
1: right? Well, I, I think it depends on what you're talking about now by diversity, sure. right? Uh, I mean, we use the word in an ethnical sense, Probably mostly skin color, and right. maybe some kind of cultural backgrounds that that are foreign to what we see on a daily basis. Uh, but it, it, I think if you turn back to God's word, and we're looking at the Exodus conquest, right? Mm. God saw true diversity, things that are, were divergent from His religion, His truth. Right. When they were going yep. over to to conquer the land, and He told them to eradicate it, right? Because of what? Because it was necessary. Because. Right. The pollution that it caused in his doctrine the way he wanted his people to live and time showed that that diversity right. uh, was actually a negative thing so when we're talking about diversity in the church i don't i mean i think we can stray away from cultural diversity and talk about religious diversity because that also plagues the church and this is what people are talking about right, and this right. is the, the bad thing that right. when we come in with our own baggage our own realities and our own truths right that was air quotes then uh that kind of divergence from from scripture from the truth is, is the what I think people is pointing us away from. Mm.
0: Yeah, and that's sure. the
1: evil he's talking well, about and
0: even then in like a liturgical setting um, one of the things my, my dad was a lifelong uh, parish musician is what he did and I didn't necessarily grow up with a love of the liturgy I've kind of discovered it uh, later in life largely because of the scripture that's in the liturgy but but one of the things he said to me once and it gets back to that like what do you do with the Bible quote when you find that you don't like it it was is the question when you when you come to church to join the church's culture which is, is not limited to one time and space but is this kind of ongoing moving thing from, from the first centuries on right parts of the liturgy are from very early parts are from very late some of it's new some of it's old when you come to it do you come along and you say um, I'm going to make the church sing my song or do you say I'm going to learn to sing the church's song right and it's not that you can't ever sing a new song make a joyful noise to the Lord any of that kind of stuff but it's it's an attitude about uh, whether or not I'm putting my diverse person into the place of where doctrine should be formed, and so therefore creating that negative diversity, right, that I would demand that my ethnocentricity become the center of everybody else's ethnocentricity. That's right, yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Yeah.
0: Cool. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, it's. It, I, I want to keep moving into peeper, but it's it, one of the things that's been on my mind a lot uh, as the fall has moved on um, has been Race relations in America, uh, sure. due to—is uh, it the media? Is it Donald Trump? Was it Obama? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it just seems like things are nasty, though, I have, right? I
1: have, I have a crazy idea. Uh, Maybe it's us. Us again. Uh, you know, we, I mean, we we always want to. I mean, that's the that's the original trick, right? It yeah. wasn't me, God. It's the woman that you gave me. Oh, it wasn't me, God. Yeah. It was the snake. And so this idea that we we constantly fail, even especially not even in the Christian church, especially in the Christian church, where we. Fail to at, at points like that where it looks ugly, and right. we live in a country where I don't want to be racist, right? Right, uh, we say it's not my fault, right? Uh, we'll say, Oh, it's the way I was brought up, you know, I just didn't know any better. And we come up with all these reasons, but just just say, Hey, actually, bigotry, whether you're white or black, is actually a bad thing, it's, it's a bad probably thing. evil. I don't think God, when He creates a, a church of all nations, right, uh, really wanted us to be uh, considering things like, uh, I well, don't want to go to church with you because you're black,
0: and then kind of owning. The fact that xenophobia in general, fear of the different, is just in us. It
1: really is, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, rather than oh, yeah. I'm not a racist, I'm not
0: a racist, just be like, no, you know what? I probably am more prejudiced in general against people who aren't just like me than I should be. I'm sorry, Jesus, help me to love my neighbor as myself.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And not to to continue to talk over Adam because we're in similar situations where Adam's a white pastor in a very diverse right? background. I'm a black pastor in the in the neighborhood that I grew up with, but I'm like even in a con- uh, a situation where ethnically speaking, I'm very similar to everybody else that I'm walking with. And that gives me a lot of leeway right. just walking through the neighborhood. I'm still bearing something that makes me very yeah. different. A different blood even, right? <laughs> right. To, to the point where I experience serious bigotry from people who look just like me right. because of what I preach, teach and confess. Right. And so when we're talking about identity, cause that, I mean, this is, I think doctrine is a, a it's a matter of who I am. Yeah. It's my identity. Uh, where do you hold your identity most? Do you hold it in the Republican Party? Do you right. hold it in Black Lives Matter? Or do you hold it in Christ? Right. Because uh, where you answer that question, are you an American Christian or are you a Christian in America? That really is going to determine what's important. And when we're talking about matters, because doctrinally speaking, a way of life uh, isn't just a liturgical practice. It isn't just a formula for preaching, but it's, it's a way you carry yourself around everyone.
0: It's a worldview. And I, I don't use that word because it's a postmodern word. Um, But because I want to attack that, the the word worldview in postmodern philosophy is basically everyone's got their own opinion, but God himself sees the world a certain way. He built it to work a certain way. And that operating system for the human mind, for the human heart, uh, it does, in fact, impact everything you do. Adam, jump in, man.
2: Yeah, no, I think in, in Micah, like you were saying, you know, our contexts are 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 very different. And I think what I realized when I first got to Philadelphia is that you know, I grew up in, in western South Dakota, and and you know, the first person that I saw with with black skin, uh, I was 18 years old, and and you know, by virtue of experience, I was not one that was that was well trained uh, for the context that I'm that I'm in. Yet, what I what you realize, or what I've realized, is that you know, understanding. Um, my own limitations, and, and Reverend Fisk, you'd mentioned this as well, is to be able to say, you know, I, I don't and can't possibly know um, the varying struggles that individuals have had um, uh, culturally, uh, socially, et cetera, so on. And what it's what it's really f- f- foisted upon me is that, you know, yes, as a pastor, I, I'm trained to proclaim, um, but how can I know specifically what it is that I need to proclaim, what, what balm of the gospel I need to apply to a specific individual if I'm not able to listen to what it is that they're saying? And so um, being able to take, a, to take a step back to, to ask questions uh, and to listen, which in, in, in many ways shows uh, a, a great, uh, de- uh, how do you want to say, a deference to, to these individuals um, because they do have something to say. And, and many times we, we would, as Christians, disagree with what uh, these individuals are saying on uh, for various reasons, but understanding that I'm not, uh, as, as a pastor, I'm not in Philadelphia to repair race relations. Right. I'm there for a specific purpose, to proclaim the Gospel um, to, to those who the Lord sends to me. Um, and, and, and once again, we're back to what, what Pieper brings us to, is that, you know, Having a firm mooring and a basis and foundation, but,
1: but in, Adam, in, in I just want—I hate to cut you off real quick because uh, you you said something yeah. that, that struck a chord. Wouldn't you say preaching the gospel heals race relations?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, I, and I I always joke with folks. You know, I say as a pastor, I'm you know I'm less there. You know um to 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 make repairs i'm i'm more there, kind of like an archaeologist kind of just to uncover what's already been established and and you're absolutely right um that that peace has already been granted the the, the war yeah
1: go ahead
0: i think what 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 you know is kind of going on here though or what what you're saying adam is that i can't repair race relations outside of the gospel no
1: exactly right
0: right Uh, i can't fix america uh, what I can do, and I mentioned the blood earlier, I can give us a blood that's bigger than our own. It's a, it's a new human race, right? That of our Lord Jesus resurrected from the dead, and that this does things uh, beyond all that we could ask or imagine. Even as Pieper says, and this is in, in he's talking about scripture again, that there is only one cure for scandalous disunity. Christians must forsake the ego and return to the foundation on which the whole Christian church is built, namely the Word, and that Word is He who became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, we are over time for a break here, so we're going to run away for just a moment. You're listening To cross-defense on Worldwide KFUO. Stick around for this amazing conversation.
2: Providing solid confessional Lutheran resources for pastors around the world, that's Luther Academy. Logia, the Journal of Lutheran Theology, the 13 volume confessional Lutheran dogmatic series, and global conferences for strengthening pastors, that's Luther Academy. Sign up for our email news and support our efforts at lutheracademy.com or call us at 260 452 2211.
0: In the rush and mix of life, it is not always easy to catch your breath, sit for a moment, and remember the goodness of the Lord. With all the demands on your time, how do you fit in His time? That's why we broadcast His Time weekday mornings on KFUO. Beginning at 7.15 a.m., we bring His Time to you with prayer, devotion, and comfort to help you be still and know that He is God even while stuck in traffic. Underwritten by the Lutheran
1: Federal Credit Union. Worldwide KFUO presents the broadcast of the annual German Advent Service from Peace Lutheran Church South County. Sunday, December 18th at 3 p.m. on AM 850 in St. Louis and streaming online at kfuo.org. Peace Lutheran Church, in conjunction with the German Cultural Society of St. Louis, presents traditional hymns and carols with the Liturgy auf Deutsch and a sermon by Rev. Dr. Robert Kolb of Concordia Seminary St. Louis. Hear the rebroadcast of the German Advent Service this Sunday afternoon, the 18th, at 3 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. When Pilate saw a riot was beginning, he washed his hands before the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood. Pontius Pilate, thought to be a Roman prefect of Judea, is mentioned in the Gospels in the story of the hours leading up to Jesus' death on the cross, disavowing any responsibility before the crowd demanding Jesus' death. But outside the biblical account, there has been no archaeological evidence of a Pontius Pilate ever having lived, although a few ancient historians wrote about him. That is until
2: 1961, when an Italian archaeological team excavating a theater in Caesarea discovered a stone inscription attributed to
1: Pontius Pilate. The only accepted find with such an inscription mentioning Pilate's name. Engage with the Bible in the ongoing discovery of its history.
0: Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. to Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news, bringing you the solidarity of who Jesus is and what he has done. I'm here with Pastor Micah Glenn, Executive Director of the Lutheran Hope Center in Ferguson, Missouri, and Pastor Adam DeGroote, Domestic Missionary Pastor with Philadelphia Lutheran Ministries and the LCMS in Northern Philadelphia. We're talking about Dr. Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics, particularly establishing the fact that if we're going to be Christians and agree with each other, have any form of unity, then we've got to have a source of that unity. And that source of unity is the Holy Scriptures themselves. The next thing that Luther does basically is he's going to, not Luther, that Pieper does, is he he looks backward to Luther because, well, it's not that we Lutherans uh, revere Luther in a worship sense. Uh, the guy made some mistakes. He said some things that weren't true. But what he also did was he stood pretty firm on Scripture in the midst of times more heated than our own, uh, risking his own hide uh, time and time again. And so he tended to have a real clear insight on, you know, what it, what it meant to do that. And here, here's one of the things that he says. Luther says, let that bear our boast that we are catechumens and pupils, oh, excuse me, let that be our boast that we are catechumens and pupils of the prophets. Let us simply repeat and preach what we have heard and learned from the prophets and let us be sure that the prophets have taught it. And I think he is including there, you could, you could write in the apostles too, the New Testament's involved. But this idea that, we are not sent as Christians to come up with new things right
2: correct yeah I mean I think you know and that's what Jesus is you know talks about as he's, <clears throat> he's he's saying the law and the prophets testify uh, of me and, and and I'm you know he's the one that is is, is the very one that is that is the fulfillment of, of what it is the prophets have said but I think you were absolutely right too Jonathan <clears throat> in the sense of saying you know we come with a humility um, that's that's not a, that's not um, uh, how do you want to say it? not conciliatory or or compromising. Uh, we're saying we're, we're we're students of those who have gone before us, who have learned those who were before them, um, and and yet he also is I think giving us an admonition and saying, well, you have to be sure then um, uh, that you have to know exactly what those 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 prophets have said before you. Um, and you know, that, and that requires a certain amount of work uh, for us as Christians. That really, I think, means that we we, we ought to be uh, studying what it is that our Lord has given us um, for our own our own well being.
0: You get it that word disciple itself is a word that does mean learner, right? It does it doesn't mean uh, doing nothing, and, and not not to get into the grace and good works kind of fight here, but. It's not really possible to to be a disciple without learning something, and it, it's not really possible to be a disciple while also being the master.
1: That's right. I, yeah, and I think well, well, yeah, it, I, mean, it, Mike,
2: I think it goes back to what you said. I mean, you know, what you had said earlier in the, in the first half of the of the show is that you know, that being a disciple and, and and living in the gospel, it it is our identity. It's who we are. Um, and 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 being able to be, you know, I guess one to be able to to, to be comfortable uh, with that is is one thing but there's and, and I but I think you articulated it very well earlier on
1: well if you look at this luther quote right he says let that bear our Boast and, and and looking at that word boast because uh, th- it, it comes up in in scripture a couple of times and one one time specific is in Romans five where it talks about our boasting as Christians and uh, I read a translation uh, uh, because you know not all translations of the Bible are created equally mm. uh, and this translation says and and this is our reason for bragging mm. and um, so let, let's run with that idea for a moment let, if we brag about who we are as Christians not only is that a very immature and childish behavior but it doesn't really I, 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 if I'm bragging, there's something inherently in me that I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to show off. But our boast, and if you put it in context of, of Romans five, we're boasting about Jesus and about what He did, not about what we've done and in, and in, in inherently who we are, but who we are in Him. And so, and, and again, in the, this whole conversation about Peter when He's trying to bring us around to an, in, in the realms of doctrine, we boast it. We boast it because of what we're what and whom we're we're proclaiming, right? Uh, and it. That idea, again, it, it, it just brings us back to um, this reality, uh, again, a word we've said a couple times of humility, mm. uh, making ourselves small that so that Christ can be proclaimed again in truth rather than the way i want to proclaim them
0: people brag about all manner of things right mm-hmm. they brag about the sports team that they cheer for as if yeah as if as if you have anything to do with them though right like you identify with them and if they win you go yeah you're down with the with the packers or i don't know who the cowboys enemies are are you down with the other team right the eagles it's the eagles okay um <laughs> that's funny you say that so i was just in north dakota you know where the uh, most recent quarterback from uh, from the eagles uh, came out of just yes, recently in right, yeah. yeah yeah anyhow we'll brag about anything we'll brag about my new car I'll brag about my new house. I'll brag about my kids, right? Wouldn't you think that if you had a, a a type of invincible armor that you wear night and day that has made you immortal, that's been placed upon you as a totally free gift, that can't be taken away, which will make you endure Judgment Day itself? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to Brag about that, and then and then recognizing that that's not something that's about you; it's about this thing that's been given, and that the actual boast itself gives it away.
1: See, right? I, 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 maybe I, I honestly. So I'm now I'm speaking and thinking of, in realms of of who we are as as one side of the dichotomy. The center part, right, is True. that when I brag. Um, say say I'm bragging about being a Christian. I almost feel like the the image in my mind is, is I'm holding this thing, this 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 cross over here, and I'm dangling in front of your eyes and saying, "This is who I am. Come right. and get it if you can." Right. Uh, as opposed to if I boast about it, if I'm wearing it, that armor and and this invisible shield that I have all the time, if I bear it everywhere I go because it's something that's uh, uplifting and makes me boastful in life. I'm not keeping it from you. I'm bringing it to you.
0: Right, right. Uh, and that, that's really what it comes down to is eh, brag or boast. I think that they're, they're kind of squishy words. If it ultimately is about me, it's evil. Right. <laughs> right. And if it's yep. about this other thing outside of me, that's Jesus it's good. And the point that that Luther's making, that when Paul says, too, if I will boast, I'll boast in Christ the Lord. Um, the point is that we want to proclaim Jesus. We don't want to talk about ourselves. <laughs> we want to talk about him, who he is and what he's done.
2: Adam. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And I think, you know, going back to the point you had made with regard to, you know, me boasting about my son, um, you know, or my, or my wife or, or whatever it happens to be about the the Eagles, by the way, Micah, which are uh, <laughs> got a bright, a brighter future, I think. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, I, I boast about them because I know them. I know something about them. I have an intimacy with them. It's personal. It's, it's something. And I think that's one of the things that I, I hear so often is that, you know, this, you, you look at, you know, this understanding of doctrine, you know, being something that seems to be so far off um, uh, as it's coupled then with the, the great in, in enormity of, of, of the goodness of God that comes to us. I think I think sometimes um, what I see is that there's just this this, this overwhelming, um, I wouldn't call it confusion, but this o- being overwhelmed by the greatness of, of, of what God has done. Um, and in some ways, you know, understanding that that we're we're completely unworthy to receive these things um but then also... Uh, right, well, you know. wait, I
0: mean, I'm going to jump in there, because Paul says, I will boast in my weakness, right? right. The thing, if yes. I'm going to talk about me, it's going to be about what a failure I am, what even, I, I think when he's talking there, and in, in I think that's First Corinthians, uh, later First Corinthians.
1: Second Corinthians 9. Yeah, 4. right.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. That weakness, I I think the thorn in his flesh, personally, I don't think that's just like a speech impediment or something crazy. I think he's talking about his sinful condition and his own yep. battle with the, 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 the demon on his shoulder, as it were. Those are the things I'll talk to Others about because those are the things that allow me to then say Jesus alleviates this.
1: And that kind of brings me back to this difference between boasting boasting and bragging. You're never gonna brag about what a failure you are, failure right. you are in life right uh, but I but I will boast about the things that are positive um, whether it be like are my son because I think maybe we all have sons in this room. Uh, but but more importantly bo- boast about what makes me me, what makes me whole, what makes me uh, dare I say good? Right. It's something outside of me, right? Right. And so that that reality again is just um, is is again. I think it's how we carry it because because the rea- I mean, because we we preach to people, our our people in our parishes on a Sunday basis because that's what we're called to do. Uh, we're as pastors, mm. but as Christians, we're called to preach that same exact message that we preach on Sunday to people who know the word of God, to those who don't know the word of God.
0: Right. That, that quote from uh, First Timothy that I opened the show with, that we would encourage one another. That's not just for pastors to do, right, that that by these words spoken. And it is one of the fears I have for the American church, American Lutheranism right now is how little the laity as a common everyday experience speak What they believe. It's like it's enough for the pastor to say it. It's enough for him to say it on Sunday, and then we go our way. How much is our conversation filled up with these things? Um, We're really in a conversation now, by the way, uh, about law and gospel, I think, ultimately, which is sort of the reason that Peter is trying to get us there. He's setting up the the reason why scripture is so important is to protect. This thing we're now wrestling with and trying to protect of what law and gospel is, and we know that it's in the prophets and the apostles, and it won't change there. So another quote from Luther, the Old Testament calls those people children of the prophets who did not produce anything of their own, anything new, but taught what they received from the prophets. The reason for that is because if I'm going to bring something new, it's going to be, again, of of me— as opposed to of God. And the, the heart and center of the Christian identity is that God has done something outside of me, for me. I get a benefit of it, from it. You, know, you said, you know, I am good in it, right? Righteous in it. Um, and yet it is without my, my doing. And when I stick my finger into that and try to make it new and mine, I end up ruining the entire thing.
1: Well, there's I mean, there's simply yeah. nothing new under the sun and there's, some, there's, there's simply nothing uh, that scripture doesn't speak to. I mean everything i mean the the classic debate of, of today is homosexual i mean just sexuality in sure, general I right. mean we don't have to say homosexuality they all sins of sexuality right. are, are equal aren't they and and so we we live in a society where uh sex is is treated as a, a liberty mm-hmm. rather than a gift mm-hmm. uh and so right. w- when we're talking about what what scripture has to teach us old and new um it, it just simply continues on and, and we we always turn back to it because it what it what it says about those things are, are godly Adam? rather than Michael.
2: yeah, no, and I think you know it's, you know as I was looking through some of you know we' we're, we're in the in the in the uh, the book of Acts right now too, and you see that as the, you know when the Christian church was was it was newly being formed and you see that you know and it's it's an acts too where we're where they're referring back to Joel um and talking about you know Joel's talking about well what the what the future is going to hold. And, and, and really, what was going on in the Old Testament is, is, is being replicated again uh, in the New Testament uh, with, the, with the birth of the Christian Church, and, and, and what you see, and I, I tell people this all the time with regard to the Book of Acts, is that it's really the same things that are going on over and over again. You know, it's, whether it's Peter or Paul, um, they're going out and preaching. Uh, people hear the Word, things, the Holy Spirit works faith, and, and people are, are, are converted, and, and then it's the, the same... For, you know, I think that's one of the things, is we've become, um, for one reason or another, become dependent upon formulas,
1: mm, yeah, uh,
2: yeah. how to address individuals, and we're looking for, you know, sort of that magic bullet that's going to uh, address all of society's ills. But, but I think what you see is that, you know, my goodness, I mean, the Christian Church, uh, as, as it was formed in Acts... Um, I tell people at Shepherd of the City this all the time: is that we are the very we are the very children of this very church, yeah. and what was going on then is the same thing that's going on now. And there's a reason that it's that it's maintained um, its 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 prominence within society um, and its 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 efficacy, and it's simply because pastors are still preaching, people are still hearing, the Holy Spirit is still faithful to His work. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think not to fall into the trap of believing, you know, that there's an emergency, uh, that there has to be something done quickly to save the church. Uh, for if we do, we forget the promise that our Lord gave us that, that his church will remain, um, and Her- just Herman simply- Sasa,
0: Herman Sasa says the unique virtue of the church is its freedom to be patient. And I, I really, yeah. really ap- appreciate that. We got about five minutes left here and Peeper is bringing his whole section on scripture to a close. And w- what would a section about the authority of scripture be if he didn't actually have a few quotations from scripture, right? <laughs> and so uh, just, I'm going to read uh, these these quotations and kind of bounce them back off you guys and just, uh, just, just preach on it for a second here. Well, Michael, we'll start with you with the first one. What does it mean? All scripture is breathed Out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work.
1: Well, you know, we're really talking about how the, the gospel, the word of God was transmitted from God to man, right? And so we don't want to get stuck in traps that uh, we don't need to get stuck in. Like this this idea that God stuck a divine hose to the back of the heads of the prophets and right. they spewed out words. That's kind of like what Islam <laughs> and Mormonism does. right? Right. Uh, right. But the, we, I think we should think of it in terms as, as in the sacraments. Here we have this bread and wine and in, with, and under it are the body and blood of Jesus Christ, not mm. because we say so and not because we can fully wrap our minds around that reality uh, in like a consubstantial way, but in a sacramental union way. It is because God says it. He declares it that way. And so the the word of God is inerrant um, in a, a sacramental union way. We don't need to fully understand how God transmitted the Bible, the word, his word from himself to man he did it and it stands true in that way and so if we understand it in a sacramental way it's perfect with the reality that how is, is yet to be revealed right in the future glory and, right. and so it's not like it's something that god is dangling away from us and and gonna hide from us forever he will reveal exactly that reality um but for now in the in the sacramental life that we have with jesus and his church uh it's, it's enough so that uh, what you're saying is that the scriptures
0: are trustworthy in the in the same kind of mysterious way that the um, that the sacraments are trustworthy, we don't know how God is making the sacrament Jesus, uh, but we know that it is. So we don't know how the scriptures came about to be an error, but we know that God promised the apostles they would write and preach as such, and so so they have, and so they do. Uh, now the the next one he quotes is First Timothy chapter three. Adam, what do you think? I hope to come to you soon. But I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. I don't see the word scripture in there.
2: Yeah, well, no, sure. I, but, you know, I think, you know, Paul. Paul's writing this with the understanding of of, 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 of what the church is, namely being the bride of Christ. Um, and, 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 and the very formulation of the church has come, you know, uh, through... Um, the, the, the collection of believers that are pro- proclaiming these very things. So yes, he's not necessarily talking about how does the scriptures are, are going to to dictate it, and specifically, but he's saying, you know, as he's writing this to 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 Timothy, he's 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 telling him this um, in accordance with what it is that Timothy's been taught and how it is Timothy's expected to 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 um, to teach and to preach, who he's to preach to and what he's to preach to them, um, and I think where he goes. There toward the end is that this is the Church of the, of the Living God, uh, the pillar and buttress of truth, it's, it's, it's explaining to us exactly, well, what is preaching the truth? What is preaching the gospel? What is maintaining the, the office of the Holy Ministry? What what are going to be, what's going to come from this? And it's it's not that it's going to, you know, that Paul's not saying, you know, that it's going to be the prominent place in, in society. It's not going to be uh, the place where everybody's going to be looking up to it. Uh, but yet it remains patiently and uh, and steadfastly uh, that very pillar and buttress of, of the truth um, that that will continue to remain until our Lord comes again.
0: Right. So, so God's Church, where it's really God's Church, will be— filled with the truth and that there's this little tweak there at the start. How? Well that that's why he's writing these things down. Right? (laughs) Is so that so that we will have that truth in our midst. All right. The last one and we'll have you guys each get about forty seconds on this last one. It's from Second Peter chapter three. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. And I think the key phrase there is other scriptures implying Paul's writing is God's scripture.
1: Well, I've I been mean, going back and using Peeper's language. It, it goes back to the ego. And approaching scripture with absolute humility, even for a guy who has a master's degree or a Ph.D. in theology, in this reality that, from beginning to finish, the only person who fully understands those words in their entirety is God. Right, right.
2: Adam and and yeah, and I think you know, and I think one of the other things, and Reverend Fisk, you had talked about this as well, is the patience of our Lord. Um, you know, I, I think about this often, especially as you know, this year we we've got a full year vicar. Um, and what a what a wonderful gift it is, but it reminds me and I think, Mike, it goes and speaks to your point, is that, well, how do I address things hum- with humility? Um, well, I, we bring in a vicar, and you begin to realize I'm a mortal man, and I will only be here for a very short amount of time, and yet what God is still providing is another man who will one day take my place as my bones become rickety and broken, um, and, and, and yet this still proves to be um, the, the proof you know, this isn't, it's not about me changing the neighborhood of Northeast Philadelphia, um, but being faithful to the call that I've been given. Um, and I may not see the changes. I may not see uh, how things go. And yet, remaining faithful to the, to the call that, that we've been given, um, Lord, be, you know, Lord willing, uh, something will change. And uh, the men who follow us um, along the, the line in the history of the Church in its totality, Uh, The Lord is working to accomplish that which he wills.
0: The wonderful humiliation of the Christian is that powerful knowledge that I am no longer necessary, but (laughs) but that God still wants me around right? Yes. And that the work yep. of Jesus on the cross is done precisely to fulfill both of those statements all in one miraculous moment. And that's why we love what scripture says, because there we can find the certainty of this knowledge repeated for us ad nauseum, and it'll last until Jesus comes back. Uh, Pastor Adam Groot. Um, uh, oh, I just lost my nose out. Domestic missionary pastor for the LCMS out there in Philadelphia with PLM, Philadelphia Lutheran Ministries. Pastor Micah Glenn, executive director of the Lutheran Hope Center, Ferguson, Missouri. Also domestic missionary with the LCMS. My guest today on Cross Defense. Thank you, gentlemen.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Yeah,
0: I look forward to having you on again. You're listening to Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. And I certainly hope you've heard that good news in this last hour. Cross Defense is unwritten for you by the Luther Academy. You can check them out at lutheracademy.com. Get in touch with them. Let them know how much you appreciate their work, including bringing you cross defense here on KFUO. Until next time, I'm Pastor Jonathan Fisk.
2: Rock on.